Hello, hello. My name is Dr. Kelly Betts, and I'm one of the hosts of this collaborative podcast that we are lovingly calling Dental Squad. And on this podcast, we are dentists joining forces to discuss everything from treatment planning, business, personal stories of success and struggle, and everything in between. Because sometimes the only people who can truly understand what you're going through are those who have gone through it too. So if you have any specific topics, questions, complaints, or ideas you'd like us to cover on the podcast, feel free to contact us. Our information can be found in the show notes, and you can always email us at dentalsquad22 at gmail.com. So today we're going to do something a little different. I am working alone today, and I actually thought that it would be a great opportunity to go over... My first thought was lit review, but I realize that when I say lit review, some of you might actually like cringe and retreat. So... I was going through some articles and some magazines that I hadn't really gotten a chance to go through, you know, over the last couple of months, just because the practice has been really busy. So my husband and I were driving back to Ohio a couple weekends ago for a family reunion. And that's about six hours worth of reading time, which is awesome. And one article that I came across was in General Dentistry, which is the Academy of General Dentistry's journal that they put out every couple of months. This was in their July and August edition. And the topic is stewardship and healthcare, which I thought was really interesting. If you have a chance and if you subscribe to the magazine or an AGD member, I do recommend you guys go through and take a look at this. So it's under their ethics section. And the author is Tony Ruka, who is an RN and a DDS, which is very cool. So a very interesting perspective in dentistry and healthcare. But generally, I wanted to go through because I thought the points were really important. It is a topic that has been coming up for a lot of meetings that I've had more recently. So I've been talking to D4 dental students who've kind of talked to me about what they're concerned about going into the job force here, you know, in the next handful of months. I was recently appointed as the new dentist co-chair, committee co-chair for the Maryland State Dental Association. And we had our committee chair meeting last week and every single dentist that was on there, one, you know, we, we were all just being really collaborative, which is really great. But we were all kind of reiterating the same point in that a lot of young dentists, we want to inspire a lot of young and early career dentists to be really active in helping to perpetuate all of the positivity in the profession. You know, we talk about fighting for insurance, dental insurance reform and, you know, putting patients first and just generally like minimizing our stress as practitioners. One of those things, I think a lot of things that kind of conflict sometimes is when we have to practice in a way that does not fulfill our deep down moral obligations or um, our philosophies of care. So if we have to compromise our philosophy of care because we have to be volume-based or, you know, really production-focused, that tends to cause that conflict And it causes stress. And a lot of times people get burned out really early in their career because they're making these compromises. And I have always kind of had the philosophy that if you treat people right and you do the right thing and you take the time to really care for the person that's in your chair, the money will come. Sometimes you have to be really patient about it, but I'm also seeing it through the perspective of someone who, when I was a dental assistant and a dental hygienist, the patient would spend most of the time kind of giving me all the ins and outs of every little detail of their life and detail of their health and all of their anxieties and fears and everything around you know, what they weren't really comfortable saying in front of the doctor. 
And then now I'm in the position of being the doctor. And I kind of had that perspective after working in those other roles. So I do not take for granted the fact that we are in a position in that we really should promote patients to be able to advocate for themselves. We want to promote education and stewardship in healthcare, which is all about what the article is about. So when we talk about stewardship in healthcare, so what is it? Stewardship, the World Health Organization defines stewardship as the careful and responsible management of the well-being of a population. So stewardship generally just helps to achieve fundamental goals of any health system, which are to improve the health of the population it serves, meets people's expectations, and provides financial protection and gets the costs of ill health. So generally, like wanting people to stay healthy, wanting people to be preventative more than reactive, all the things I think we can all get behind. So the ADA code supports the concept of stewardship through the principles of autonomy, beneficence, and justice, which we all learned in dental school. That was kind of, you know, part of the ADA code. And the article goes on to describe, you know, how the ADA describes what a professional truly is. So we as dentists are professionals. Everyone that we work with, you know, the registered dental hygienists, any expanded functions, dental auxiliaries, we are professionals. And professionalism includes the obligation to take part in advocating for and providing care for underserved individuals. It's a part of healthcare that refers to the responsible management and use of resources. So I think this is really important and it's something that we should not lose sight of. And it's hard because when you go into practice, there are a lot of challenges in promoting stewardship. So like I said, sometimes you go in and especially as a young dentist, you it's very much like what they used to describe in dental school. You are trying to sit from a fire hose. You're trying to decide what you want your career to look like. You're also burdened by a huge amount of loans typically. So you have one side pulling at you trying to be super hyper productive, which oftentimes is value based, volume based rather. And then you have the other side where you're like, oh, well, actually I was taught in dental school, hopefully that you're supposed to do this really comprehensive exam. You're supposed to look into the background of the patient. You're really supposed to ask more holistic questions to be as comprehensive and preventative as possible. Other challenges in promoting stewardship is the prohibitive cost of healthcare in general. So how can you lower cost of healthcare while still improving healthcare access for your patients? It's nuts. You know, we're in this season of inflation right now. Lab costs are going up, material costs are going up. Every time I get a new statement or invoice every month and I'm entering into my practice management, you know, Excel sheet, it's like just inching up, (laughs) you know, every month. And you don't want to, again, compromise your standards because prices are going up. You kind of have to roll with the punches with that. Alongside with that, other challenges in promoting stewardship, aside from the prohibitive cost of care, is the rapid pace in which technology is advancing. You know, for a practice owner or a young dentist, you're trying to figure out like what you should really pay attention to and what you should invest in regarding dental technology. And, you know, half the time you'll, you'll be behind the curb if you invest in something a couple years late or even, you know, 18 months late. But then, you know, you go into older practices that maybe haven't invested in new technology. And then you struggle with the fact that maybe you're not responsibly diagnosing people. <laughs> you know, if you're not using all of these diagnostic tools and digital radiographs and other tools, scanners, things like that, that can help diagnostically. So it's really hard. You see the challenges of keeping costs low, but your quality high. Other tensions arise when you're trying to balance 
individual patient autonomy with societal needs. You know, patients are able to make decisions about their own healthcare needs. And it's our responsibility to take the time to really talk to them and educate them about the benefits of being preventative rather than reactionary, or even, you know, those, we all have those patients that truly just come in for emergency care. But that patient education takes time. It also takes patience and it forces many of us to break out of the busyness of our typical day or schedules that we've allowed so that we have the time to sit down and talk to a patient about their goals and talk to a patient about what their history is and really figure out a custom individualized plan for them, understanding that that investment of time is going to save in cost of care in the future. It's a mind shift and it's something that I've always promoted, but I do recognize that it's something that is not easy for a lot of us to do. Another thing, you know, when they talk about stewardship and healthcare, part of stewardship for us as healthcare individuals is to look at our environmental sustainability. As we all know, this would include reducing waste, conserving resources, and reducing reducing energy consumption, which is crazy if you think about it. You know, if you think about healthcare and literally all the plastic barriers that we use. I mean, there are days where I'm just like, if I have to, if one more thing has to be barriered with a piece of plastic, I'm going to, you know, scoop my eyeball out. But it's, it's true. I mean, we kind of have to balance that, you know, we need to have a clean, sanitized place to work where we're reducing cross-contamination, but then we also have a responsibility to the environment to not use so many single-use plastics, and uh, we can't generate all the greenhouse gases, you know, or <laughs> we do what we can. I One of one of our cars in our household is a Prius, <laughs> so it's like, you know, you do what you can, you compost when you can, but then I go to work, and it's just all these single-use plastics, and I just know, you know, the energy consumption of the practice with all of the equipment that we use is a lot. So again, one of those things that we all have to kind of think about and decide how we're going to move forward so that we can be better stewards in healthcare. Ways to promote it other than what we've talked about before, just kind of sticking to your philosophy and sticking to standards and being, you know, just holistically aware of our responsibility. Other ways to really promote stewardship is to ensure only evidence evidence-based practices are being used. The reason why in the article they they cite this as being a huge way to promote stewardship is you actually assure that resources aren't being squandered or used for less less effective therapeutic interventions. So, even though, you know, a lot of us are taught a lot of things that are you know, uh, a mentor of ours might have said like, oh, this has always worked for me. And it's more of like anecdotal practicing, really sticking sh- sticking to those evidence-based practices really assures that we provide proven effective therapeutic interventions. And again, we're not squandering resources or just like testing things out and throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks. That spaghetti is affecting our environment and our patients and you know, the financial cost of healthcare. <laughs> um, other ways that we can promote stewardship, according to the article, is again, promoting active patient participation in their care and being really patient-centered and pa- patient-focused when we provide care. And I think that really is the highlight of all of it. You know, um, this is why I thought that the article was so interesting. No matter what we talk about, whether we're talking about, you know, I go through all these articles and there's research articles, there's case studies, there's, you know, pharmaceutical updates and all that kind of stuff. And when it comes down to it, it really is just about promoting truly patient-centered, patient-focused care. And I don't want us to lose that because we're in a season of 
inflation and high cost and high stress and, you know, needing to be productive and needing to do X, Y, and Z. Just always coming back to what can we do as professionals to make sure that we are practicing in an ideal state and that we are caring for people and caring for their families and caring for our community and caring for our environment. Like I said, if you have time, I do recommend you read the article in the AGD's General Dentistry Journal of July and August of 2023. I hope you enjoyed this. And if anyone has any comments um, that they'd like to make about today's episode, I would love to hear about it. I really would like to go a little bit deeper into some of these ways that we can be a little bit more patient-centered, be a little bit more patient-focused. And oh my goodness, if anyone has any great ideas about how we can have improved environmental sustainability in healthcare, and especially in dentistry, I would love to talk to you. So (laughs) thanks again for listening. And I look forward to talking to you all soon. Thanks. 